The Valerie Carey Show. Today's show is about how to get a promotion at work and seven ways to make money without experience. And now, on with the show. Hi guys, it's Valerie and welcome back to my show. So on today's show, I'm going to be talking about getting the promotion you deserve at work and seven ways to make extra money without any experience. Um, the reason why I want to talk about both of these things primarily because I had always wanted to talk about needing a sponsor versus having a mentor. Ever since I watched the Carla Harris TED Talk, TED Talk she did, she did a, a TED Talk on uh, the right person you need in your business or the right person you need to find in the business you're working in to take you to where you need to go. And it was an amazing TED Talk. My friend actually sent that to me and I'd initially wanted to do... Uh, an episode right then but that was just when I started so I thought okay you know I'll just keep it until I I, I've gone through a few episodes where I talk about this because it seemed a bit serious in terms of work based it's not just jokey jokey but yeah so uh how to get promotion at work uh for those of you who don't know who Carla Harris is sorry I just threw her name out like everyone's supposed to know who she is she works for Morgan Stanley she's sort of like a business development person i think she's like the vp of development um at morgan stanley i'm not entirely sure what her job title is but she's the one who wrote seven uh, ten proven strategies for thriving in the workplace and ever since i read that book like honestly my life has changed at work because it validated everything i, wrote, I kind of knew about getting promoted working in the workplace being recognized for your work and and the things you do and being recognized not just verbally but also in terms of career progression so it's a great book go out and get the book i'll also put the link to her ted talk um in the description so you guys can have a look because she's talking about the same topic i'm i'm going to cover briefly which is a sponsor is the person really you need to get a promotion at work yeah so in terms of getting promotions now everybody wants to be an entrepreneur right everybody thinks well if you're working for someone you're some sort of slave or something and you know your life has no meaning that's actually a fallacy you know some nine to five careers or whatever time you start and whatever time you finish um some careers are great some people don't want to have the stress of entrepreneurship it's a lot of stress not everybody's cut out to be an entrepreneur anyway it is a lot of stress you know trying to force people to go down a certain pathway because you see, you think it's the right way. It's, it's completely counterproductive. And also, if everybody is an entrepreneur, who's going to work for the entrepreneurs? They have to hire people too. Like, literally, the people who work for people who have businesses and the people who own the businesses. It doesn't mean your job is any less important. And for those of you who are going to say, well, I'd rather make X amount working for myself. Hold on. Some perfectly good careers come from working from other people. Athletes work for other people. They don't own the sports team. You don't see um, David Beckham owning no football team. He's he's a worker. He's an employee. It's not it's not that deep. You know, wherever your coins come from, you should be happy. Like honestly, for real, for real. Some people like make a super big deal out of it, and it's completely unnecessary. But um, yeah, so that's um yeah that's my personal gripe 
with entrepreneurs that just feel like they know everything. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm an entrepreneur myself. Like I have several businesses I've run and I'm running. And um, I also work for 95. I work a proper, proper full-time job. Not like even a part-time thing. I have a full-time job and I have a career. But I'm not in the position that I want to let either of them go. I'm enjoying being dual in my my money making which is fine like i i think of my nine to five as my anchor client so they're the people who have my biggest contract for in my life no matter what my my life title will be but they're my biggest client and everything else i do for myself they're just different things i do to get smaller clients for now or get different clients because some clients pay me <laughs> more than my current job but let's move on but yeah but you get you get the point i'm trying to make you know it's not the end all and be all so when people talk about developing their careers they're not being silly like you can have a perfectly good perfectly wonderful career and this topic is going to help you if that is what you want to do. You want to climb your career ladder very quickly. I'm going to tell you the quickest way to get there, in my opinion, and based off of my experience. Right. So the quickest way to get there is simple. Get a sponsor. Forget this mentorship thing. Now, when I say forget the mentorship thing, I don't, I don't mean having a mentor is not beneficial to you. Having a mentor in your life in general is great. Having a mentor keeps you focused, that you learn from your mentor's mistakes, you can have conversations with them about what to and what not to do. And that's what a mentor is for. A mentor is there to guide you, a mentor is there to take you through your journey, hopefully teaching you lessons that they've learned in their journey and making your life easier. So getting you through that pathway quicker than they did because they've already been through it. That's a mentor. Now, if you want to get promoted or if you want to progress in your career, let's not measure it particularly by promotion. You know, if you want to progress in your career, the person you need in your workplace is not necessarily a mentor because although the mentor, again, as I've said, should be there to take you through the path they've gone through to get you through it quicker, you do not always have mentors at the table that you want to sit at. Now, I coined this phrase from the Carla Harris TED Talk. She basically tried to explain it by saying, you know, think of it like Solange sits at the table. You know, this is a, a decision-making table. So think of your directors, your heads of departments, your MDs. You know, they have the ultimate seat at the table and every level below that that has a hiring level, they have that seat at the the table for the people below them on the hierarchy right so the mentor that you might have might not be somebody on the level that makes the decisions about your progression i don't know if what i've just said actually is making any sense like wherever you are in your career right so imagine a regular organization hierarchy let's say on level four right the people who make the decisions for whether you, the level four employee, climb up to the level three may not necessarily be on level three. The people who might make the decisions could be on level two or it could be an MD decision where they have a pool of, of candidates for a particular role that opens up. You know, so your mentors are usually people on a level above you so they may not necessarily be the ones that have a seat at the table where the decision will be made of whether you're going to progress in your career or not right 
So really, ultimately, what you need is, in addition to a mentor, what you need is a sponsor. Now, a sponsor is somebody who has a seat at that table that you want to get to. That means every other time, your sponsor is more likely going to change the more you get higher up in your personal hierarchy your sponsor will change because obviously you need somebody at the next seat of the table at the next seat of the table and, and so on and so on right when you start off the first thing you have to do once you get into your organization or you get this new job or you get this i don't know you you identify that okay today is the day i actually want to start working on my career from that point the very first thing you have to do is find out where the decision is made for your own level Find out where this table is because there's no point picking a sponsor that is on the wrong table. Identify the key people that actually make the decisions for the place you are and the place you want to be. Right? So if you're trying to change careers, there's no point getting somebody who's at the seat of the table for heads of your particular department because that's not where you're trying to go. Right? Okay. So find that person no, find the people at the seat at the table and then identify one or two candidates that could potentially be a sponsor, right? Now, what, what, what makes a good sponsor? What is even a sponsor? I've just been saying sponsor, sponsor, sponsor. What is actually a sponsor? A sponsor is someone who's going to represent you during the decision-making process for your job um, progression. Right. So if you're having like a hiring round, those people who work in HR, you know, sometimes you guys sit around around the table to discuss the candidates and then people speak up. Usually they speak up when there's something negative, but they speak up anyway when the candidate, you know, they're interested in them or something catches their eye. And a decision is made of the best candidate or candidates within that seat table type round table talk discussion. Right. So find somebody, find the people that are going to participate in that. They more likely than not should be a couple of HR people there, but they should also be the heads of the department for the hiring, like the the, the pathway which they're hiring. Cool. Once I've identified the possible candidates, right, don't do anything. Just identify them and keep them to one side, right? Or come back to them like a recipe, you know, the a cake recipe let's let's keep that to to simmer for this idea i've picked say two out of the possible five people at this um seat at the table discussion right then you have to go back kind of and do a retrospective for yourself so you have already identified the sponsors you've identified where you want to go the next thing you have to do is identify what they are asking you to do within your role now i know this seems pretty obvious but quite a few people don't actually know what they're expected to do for the year they start the work year and think okay i'm here i'm working oh bada bing bada boom but your company should give you like a PDP, like a, person, a personal development um, plan, which details what you're supposed to be doing for the year. If they're not doing that or you don't have that, so you don't have a PDP from your line manager, speak to your HR team, speak to your line manager so you can get it written down about what they are expecting you to do for the year. What's the plan for the year? What are your targets for the year? Right, because without knowing that, you're not, you don't, you're not completely clear on what you're aiming for. You're not completely clear on what you want to beat. You know, you can go off and do five hundred amazing things, but if the one thing you had on your PDP to do you hadn't done during your your review, it would be that you you messed up. 
you, you didn't fill the targets for the year. That, that's what it will come back as. Right, so identify what's on your PDP and what's expected for the year, right? And um, do it. Literally that. Do it. This is not a shortcut to not doing work. Unfortunately, the things on your PDP, the things they have actually hired you to do, you have to actually do them. I know it's shocking, right? Crazy. But here's the fun thing, right? So long as you've done everything on your PDP, you'll be all right. So you can get extra credit by doing some extra work, which you should, right? But make sure before you start running off to get extra credit, like pick me, pick me, do the work that's actually on your PDP and do it well, right? So you can take off everything on your PDP so you know you're covered for the next part of this process, right? So once you've um, done everything that's on your list, then you can start picking up extra cred activities. These could be things like extra projects you pick up um, voluntarily that don't necessarily have any um, one working on them, extra targets that you decide you want to, to add to your repertoire, you know, pick up new responsibilities, ask for responsibilities where where possible but every time you do something write it down right there's somebody i'm working with now i'm not going to mention names or genders because the company i work for most of them listen to this podcast so i'm not going to say who I'm, I'm referring to but this person always trips me because whenever they do something right i say to them well write that down don't forget to put that on your cv and they always look at me really weird like why do i have to do that or i'm not looking for a job or you know i'm not trying to leave you know blah 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 but i'm like you will forget i'm not saying i need you to leave my team i'm not even saying that i think you know you should start job hunting or anything just write it down for our benefit and for your benefit you know if you don't sing your praises at work trust me very few people are going to do it for you you know you have to have it written down and documented that you did xyz so that people will remember you did xyz there's nothing wrong with self-praise at work for real for real sometimes it's actually expected because again if you don't sing your praises nobody is going to sing it for you right so now you have identified the pdp um tasks that you have to do for the year you have done them you have done extra work and you have written all of this down so you've documented it in your your pdp like feedback review form towards uh, your end of year review once you've got that, right, towards the end of year review, so don't wait until the review is next week. So say hmm, six months to your review. So let's say you have a target to get promoted in a year, right? Find the PDP, do the work, start doing everything, do everything you can do within the first three to four months. Then in, at the six month mark, to your annual review start doing the rest of the things i'm going to tell you now right so this is kind of like a year plan to get promoted for the next year right with the help of the sponsor so you've got your pdp work you have done most of the work you're supposed to do at least i decided how you're going to do the rest of it and make sure you have a plan where it's actually going to work um you have started doing uh, some extra credit items then six months in you remember those sponsors I kept on the side, you know, that we, were, we had chilling? Look at the PDP things you have done. Look at the things that are on your list in terms of things you were going to tick off. And then look at the sponsors. So let's assume you had two sponsors that you had to choose from. Identify which one of those two sponsors are in the best position to see 
the output from these PDP items. What does this mean? Right, so if you're working, for example, like I work in an IT where I am and we do a lot of development, right? So if I was to do something in my job and also do it well, it would make no sense really in the greater scheme of things for me to pick somebody who is a in a sponsor type position but is in sales as my sponsor versus somebody who is in IT as my sponsor. Not because the salesperson won't see what I'm doing, but because the IT person is in the best position to see most of what I'm doing. So you might have an even balance, the two sponsors you've picked, they may not necessarily be able to see everything you do on your PDP or everything you have to do that year, or even some of the extra credit work, but pick the person that is most likely to see most of what you're doing, right? It makes your job easier because you don't don't have to have like some sort of um, off-the-cuff conversation with them where you're trying to brag about what you've done for the year over some coffee making in the kitchen you don't want that you know you want them to naturally see what you're doing in your day-to-day right you're not trying to hmm, bribe them or i'm probably gonna cut that out nobody's trying to bribe anybody but you're not trying to like force this thing down their throat you want them to see it naturally as part of the interaction with you as to how you're fulfilling these tasks and how you're actually meeting these targets and, and doing the project right now that's the the straightforward part but again i have to stress that this is no shortcut you actually have to do the work i know some people can get away with blagging and then they, they bypass the work part of this but you you see why it won't work with this particular process in a second so now you have identified the sponsor that you want to work with right or you think is in the best position to help you Double check that they see it, but that's that should be a given if you've chosen the right sponsor. It should be a given that they will see the work if you've actually picked the right person. Don't worry about trying to be a pick-me or for those of you who don't know what a pick-me is, I don't even know how to explain it. It's basically like the girl who tries to be this all-encompassing wife material type chick just so that the boys will pick her. You know, when you're trying to be all things for everybody just so that you seem like the nice guy when really you're just talking bs right so don't be too worried about looking like a pick me in the office where people think you're famsing up or you're um closing up to your boss or whoever this person is just to get extra credit the reason why i said don't worry about it because you would have actually done the work so it's not really bragging if it's true right that's the truth they should have done the work and we won't be having this conversation but hey anyway so don't worry about that but make sure that you on your own you don't do anything to kind of rock the boat so people who act as sponsors and speak up on behalf of other people at these decision making type conversations they're basically vouching for you at this meeting they're vouching for you to say you know ultimately i know this guy i've seen the work they've done you know if we're looking for someone to promote this is this is actually your guy they're going to do that and people are going to hold them to that as they have vouched for you so if you're one of those people that are always cautioned at work for something or you're i know this i sound like my mom but if you're rolling around with the bad gang you know at work chances are they wouldn't want to speak for you because they don't want to 
they don't want the risk that you are not worth that vouch because you only have a certain amount of credit in these meetings. There are only so many times where people around you will automatically vote for you because, hey, they haven't voted for you in a long time and you haven't, you know, asked for a favor in a long time. So it's almost like a favor they're passing on on your behalf. So you kind of have to also make sure that you take the boxes. You don't want to be that that person that they're not sure of the loose cannon you don't want that you don't want the troublemaker at work you don't want that you want to be the nice person nice-ish you know unique in your way but you you, you you don't want to have the negative attention essentially so that your sponsor doesn't feel that that will rub off on them right so although you're not worried about being a pick me don't worry about that but try to be good you know not fake good be yourself good but try not to get into trouble Right. So once you have done all of this, right, and your review is coming up and everyone is is like finally remembering that they have a PDP. So they're all panicking about what on earth is was put in it um, as that they've done for the year. You should be cool because you've already done everything you're supposed to do. Things should be taken along wisely. If you've picked the right sponsor, they should be watching you. Now, at this point, just before your review, it might be a good idea to speak to your sponsor about your plans for the future. So take action. I know this is quite hard for a lot of people, especially the people who are like find it difficult to talk and be themselves at work. Like, you know, it's interesting how shy some people can be when it comes to talking to you know, senior management about their personal goals. People seem very shy when that conversation comes across because talking about money and talking about promotions is quite uncomfortable, I guess. But in think of it this way, you're not talking about promotion with your sponsor at this point. You're literally just booking a meeting to talk about your career. Now, people are open to this. If anyone on my team came to me and said, hey, I want to talk about um the plans for the next five years i want to know where, where our projects are going i'll be completely open to that completely open to that you know even if it's somebody i don't work with on the day to day i will book a whole hour or two book a meeting room sit down and have a long chat you know people are quite open to speaking to you about how they can help you further your plans if they know you're serious like my current line manager one of the many many reasons why i absolutely love him not in that way, obviously, but I absolutely love him because um, he asks the questions like he will say, where do you want to be? What do you want to do this year? How can I help you get there? And you can tell within the year that he's actually thinking of ways to help you get there. Like he's very much been my sponsor. <laughs> if that's not been immediately obvious, but he's very much been my sponsor since I got there in terms of I've said, OK, this is where I want to be my in my career and this is where I want to be in X amount of years and he's given me the opportunities to do that and I've picked those up and I've, I've run with it. One thing I don't do is I don't shy away from the work and you know you, you have to do the extra fucking work. You know you, you can't expect the constant favor without also being constantly amazing. That That's the unfortunate cross that comes with it. But anyway yeah so have the conversation with them and tell them what your plans are. Don't tell them you're trying to get a promotion when you are actually like trying to get it. You're talking to your sponsor now. You're not talking to your HR manager or your direct line manager. You're talking to your sponsor, you know, as an informal conversation. Once you've had that conversation with them, all you're trying to do is plant the idea in their heads 
that that's what you want to do right so they kind of know okay this person has been doing this work they've seen all the things i've been doing you seem like a generally nice guy at work and this is what your plan is for x amount of years so they have that fresh in their head a couple of weeks months before this decision making meeting right perfect next stage go to your actual manager during the review outline what you're you're talking about um you're <laughs> talking about what am i saying outline what you've done in the year outline the extra things you've done be concise about it make your numbers right keep your numbers short be straight to the point don't get emotional about it just state the facts move on and ask for a promotion that is a very important step at that point ask for a promotion say based off of the work i'm doing this is the extra responsibility i want to pick on therefore that means i want to do x y and z now asking for a promotion is a big thing it's a bit tricky because one if they were already going to give you a promotion it's kind of awkward right so you may want to wait to see if they give you a promotion before you ask they'll, they'll usually tell you anyway beforehand if you're gonna get it you know if you're in an environment where you have to wait and you can't ask directly fine and um, but if they don't offer one you are then within your rights to ask at that point for your promotion because if you don't ask you don't get it, right now when you ask or when they're thinking about if they're going to give you a promotion or not they're going to have that collective conversation within themselves on this seat at the table meeting where this topic is going to be raised now what you're hoping for is in addition to your boss whoever your line manager is having known that you're great at what you do and puts forward your request your sponsor who ding 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 remembers that you had this in your plan remembers all the hard work you're doing and thinks hey i'm gonna take this person on my wing i'm gonna vouch for them because they do seem like an okay kind of guy they speak up as well at this table so now you have two people in your corner you have two people speaking on your behalf you've got the job people keep saying your network is your net worth oh my gosh i'm so tired and it's completely true. It's true not just in entrepreneurship, but it's true also in your 95. Now, people are going to ask, these things you've just said, does it actually work for you? I've worked in several places in my life, and I think I've been promoted every year, if not every year, every two years. Um, this has been the longest stretch. I have not been promoted, and I think it's more because there's not really anywhere to be promoted to. Like, I, I keep making a joke with my, my boss that he's going to have to be killed so that I can move forward because it's deep. But, um, no, for real, for real, like, the promotion hasn't come in terms of a job title change, which is fine. But I know that based off of the work I'm done, I've done, I am achieving the career progression, even if it doesn't come in form of a promotion. So don't be worried if they don't give you a promotion in name i guess when i say promotion in this in this podcast i don't necessarily mean each time they give you a promotion but at the very least you should have recognition of the work you're doing which should come in form of more responsibility obviously with um, additional money attached to it or a title change which is officially a promotion or just even a change of workload there are different things people consider to be a promotion quote-unquote promotion is anything that takes you higher than where you were before whether that's in monetary um 
numbers or it's just quality of life the different things that can be considered a promotion so yeah try to do all this this uh, try to do all these haha got there in the end um tips these have personally worked for me i will tell you again i will put the link for from carla harris at the bottom i think it might make a bit more sense if you also watch the video because i can't i've kind of breezed through it in terms of what i i did but I guess speaking for different organizations and different hierarchy structures, listening to her might actually help expand on that. But yeah, there's those are my tips for getting the promotion you deserve. And I cannot stress enough how important it is for women in particular to ask for their promotions and ask for the money that they deserve. You know, I am blessed to work with an incredible group of women you know and i've worked with amazing women before and every single woman i've worked with has been fine to walk up to the, um, the manager and say you know what this is what i want this is this is the remun remuneration <laughs> obviously i'm struggling with my words today i do not know what's happening but this is how much money i want for the the job i'm doing you know and i know women tend to shy away from having conversations about money and we still have the problem with not having equal pay with men who do the same thing don't hold yourself back even more by not asking you know ask and ask smart ask during your pdps because you're entitled to some sort of raise at that point print out some online comparisons with other people in other businesses doing the same job as you in terms of the salary level present it to your bosses and say okay well this is indeed what other this is market rate essentially and you want to keep up with that you know legally they're obliged to look, to have a look at the very least to see if they're meeting up even if it's just within the organization in terms of rates within the same band you know ask smart even if you don't ask at a pdp ask when you're, you're valuable so if you have just closed an incredible project and no one else could have done the things you've done you know you're at your most valuable ask for a promotion don't ask in the middle of the project don't ask like when it's in the middle of crisis point of that particular project because you're indispensable no that's just taking the piss and they're not going to forget that that's going to put you in the bad books but ask for a promotion right after you have closed a very important project and you've done it well there's someone I know now, I'm pretty sure she's going to listen to this and she's going to laugh. I'm not going to say her name and it is a her. You know, she worked on a, a really big project last year and I said to her, you know, this might be a good time to to ask her promotion. And in where she works, she's, I think she's a bit concerned about asking for, mo for money because people don't just generally do that where she works. But I said to her, you know, just ask. You know, detail what you've done. This is the best time to ask. You've just finished a nice project. The project went well. You you paid, played key roles. You took on more responsibility. You were very proactive. You didn't make any mistakes in terms of what you've done. The clients seem to love you from what I saw. You know, so why don't you ask? You know, I think she eventually went and asked. She eventually went and asked, which was good. You know, so worst case scenario, they will say no, but at least they know for next time. They can't just come to you with no offer because they know, hey, last time she asked, they can't take the piss next time because she might just leave, right? So just ask. You never know. You really never know. I'm just going to leave that that section today. I hope that's helped anyone who's actually listening Um, in terms of how to plan for and get a promotion. 
again, emphasis, emphasis on writing things down and actually doing the work. Um, I will sign off with one more thing and just say that relationship with your sponsor, they are not just there to help you get promoted and then you stop talking to them. That's like a one-sided relationship. Keep the relationship. Keep the relationship and ensure that you kind of repay that goodwill that they've presented to you by assisting them with things they need and this is not like they've bought your friendship or anything no again that's not what i'm saying this is not some sort of family business that's not what i'm trying to encourage here at all you know first of all you have to actually do the work nobody's offering you these jobs just based off of the relationship they have with you you know but do endeavor if somebody has done something nice for you for you to return in kind be a nice person you know just chat with them once in a while you know these guys have stuck their neck out for you and they vouch for you so continue to build that relationship and it should be a symbiotic relationship there should be no relationship in your career or in your life really where you're not giving and taking it should everyone should just be receiving in positivity i guess <laughs> yeah right so i think that's all i'm gonna say on that not really too much more to say anyway, but that's all I'm going to say on that. And I'm going to put the links down, as I said. Now, this moves me on to kind of like my entrepreneur side. So, like I said, I do both. You know, find a girl who can do both. We're a lot more fun, even though we don't have much of a social life. But any girl who is working properly, like working full time and also running a business. Wow, heaven help you if she also has a child. Mate, if she has you in her life, you are one lucky man, boy, because there is no time when you're running a business and working full time. There is no time in your life. Right. So let's move on to my entrepreneur side where I'm going to tell you seven ways to make money without any experience. Now I'm doing this series called the seven day startup. Now, for each one of those series episodes, I'll be taking you through a small business that you can start in seven days so seven days from the day you pick up your pen to start off this business to when you launch and hopefully make your first sale seven days which is a week right so start a business in a week i'm going to be doing one business type each episode and it's usually something you have to actually start so i'm going to be doing one at a time and not everything will be suitable for everybody but if you like a particular business idea and it makes you money Great feedback. Let me know how it goes. I would love to hear from you in terms of feedback for this particular series because saving money and making money is incredibly dear to my heart. For everybody who knows me, I'm always doing something. I'm always making something. And this particular series was what initially spurned me to do a podcast because I wanted to share some ways I save and make money. So I I totally love this. I totally love this making money, saving money, anything money. Mostly because I live like I have a lot of money. <laughs> you know when you have to be rich because you have rich people's habits and you're like, God, you can't give me this sort of expensive taste and not give me money. Like it doesn't work together. Like you can't be an unfair God. Come on. Like, for real, for real, I love buying shoes too much for me to not eventually be super rich. Anyway, so yeah, so these are seven ways to make money to kick off my seven-day startup series. Now, these seven ways to make money are not actual businesses per se that you need to start. Some of them are, but they're not, they're not businesses that necessarily need to be registered for you to be able to start these things if that makes sense because a lot of people think oh i need to make extra money i don't really want to 
um, start up a business by registering it in company's house or whatever. You don't have to do that for these seven things. These are seven things you can actually do today. You can start them today and you'll probably make some money by tomorrow with a couple of these things. Definitely like, yeah, let's see if we can get you making 200 pound in 24 hours. That's going to be a challenge for us. Let's try this on this podcast. Pick a couple of these things, sign up and register to all these things I'm talking about and see how much we can make the day after you, the day after you listen to this podcast. Let me know in the comments and I would love to hear the feedback. Right. So the first way, oh yeah, and by the way, these seven things I'm going to tell you about, I've done every single one of these myself and I'm going to explain them, uh, I'm going to explain each one in detail, so that's fine. So the first one is rent your car out, right, so um, when I first started driving, I didn't, I didn't drive every day, so I used to hire a car, I used to have one of these zip cars, um, for those of you who live in London, you know, it's kind of like your pay by hour service for a car that is parked on your street so there'll be a car at the end of the street and then if you're a member of this car club you're able to access the car if it's not booked and then you just drive it as if it's yours when you're done with it you can bring it back and you park it right so i used to be a member of a car club but then i thought to myself like i'm literally spending almost the same amount of money than i would have even if i had like hired a car I've never wanted to have a car on hire or have a car on some sort of lease because I always feel like you're just spending money and the car is not really yours. I've always said to myself, if I'm going to buy any cars, I have to buy them in cash. Well, at least buy them outright, even if I don't buy them cash. But buy them outright. So I did the math with my zip car, car club thing. And I realized, hang on, I'm not making any money here. Rather, I'm losing so much money and I'm not saving anything. And... Because it's there, I end up going out more than I actually want to because, well, the car is there. I might as well just drive when I could have, in reality, taken the train. But anyway, so I decided to buy a car. So when I bought that car, I wouldn't use it on the Monday to Friday because I also live 10 minutes from where I work. Right, I literally live ten minutes from my. I live 10 minutes away from my office. So there was really no need for me to drive, per se you know, to work. So Monday to Friday, my car was just sitting in the driveway. And then on the weekends, yes, I'll use the car. But then on the weekends, I want to go out with my girlfriends or with my then boyfriend. And I wouldn't drive because I know we'll be drinking. So Monday to Friday, I wasn't using the car. And then the money I was trying to save by buying the car, I was still using Ubers and stuff for the days where we would go out and we'll have a drink so I wouldn't drive. And it was just mad. So I was spending money on the Ubers and stuff and I was still like with the car. I just thought, this is not making any sense. You know, so I found out that I could actually rent out my car when I'm, I'm not using it. So the car club thing that I used to sign up for. I registered my car (laughs) onto the car club thing. So people were hiring my car to drive when I wasn't using it. And then they'll return the keys. And I was making money off my car just sitting in my driveway. So it turned out that money I was making on the Monday to Friday was enough to cover any extras, Ubers and stuff I was doing over the weekend. And I still had some extra money left over for fuel. So it ended up that particular car for a long period of time where I wasn't driving as much. I was making money enough to pay off the like I I did not spend any money on that car at all. If anything, I made money off the car. So I signed up for 
the car service at that time which was drivey but i think it was called something else then it's now called drivey which is www.drivey.co.uk um, and there's also a new one which i'm trying to sign up to now which is called hire car so this period i'm talking about when i hired my car was a couple of years ago I've changed my car since then and I've upgraded my car as well. So now my car is my baby. I don't really want random strangers bashing my car because it's just a nice car. I drive a Mercedes. Yeah, so it's, it's not a bad car. Right, so I don't really want randoms just in my car and messing it up. So I didn't want to use Drivey because there are a lot of cycles on that car. I didn't mind before because I had a Volkswagen Polo. So I didn't mind what they did to the car. But... I didn't want my car on this service because with Drivey, I was making £35 a day. Yeah, £35 a day for my, my Polo, which is uh, pretty much the whole day. They can come and pick it up at 9 and they bring it, bring it back at 9. So that's like 12 hours, right? Um, because I, I didn't have it. I didn't give them the cars overnight. I didn't put the timing so that it's available overnight because I want my car where I, see, where I can see it at home. But anyway, so um, with my new car, this year I've put it on Hire Car. So www.hirecar.co.uk Now it's similar to Drivey where you sign up your car and um, you make sure it's clean, you make sure there's fuel in it. You make sure you have a spare set of keys just in case and you leave it, you are able to leave the keys in a place where they can pick it up or you have, um, you provide a pickup service, a key pickup service for them. Now, um, with Hire Car, the reason why I moved to Hire Car is because they take newer cars, so your car has to be four years old or less. So you have to have a relatively newish car, first of all, to be on Hire Car. And if not, your car has to go through some additional checks and tests that they're going to, to put you through because I think it's for insurance purposes. They don't want the car to just break down randomly because then they have to get someone else, right? So on hire car, they kind of arrange and sort everything out for you. They arrange the insurance. So you have insurance to cover your car while the other person is driving it. You do have to keep your car top, your fuel top top. But so long as your car is four years or younger, you actually will not have a problem. Sign up is like super, super, super easy. Um, keep in mind that your insurance does not cover the other person while they're driving your car. So your car insurance only covers you when you're driving. So if they have an accident, you can't claim on your insurance, right? So read your insurance uh, documentation very carefully. But Hire Car does do a contract service as part, of the, as part of the thing. So once you sign up, they do everything for you. They do all the interaction with the other person and you just get paid when somebody has booked your car. Now, depending on the type of car it is, you can get up to £40 a day on a weekday and up to £120, I think, depending on the weekends. Well, the one, uh, depending on the car, definitely depending on the car. The one thing I don't do is I don't rent my car out on Friday nights and Saturday nights because it's usually guys that, you know, they want to flash you know some chick because they're hiring some some car some random car obviously they don't want to go and get like a uh euro car hire or something because there'll be stickers everywhere they want people to think this is actually their car so i wouldn't hire out the car on the friday or the saturday just for safety and security right um but yeah check out hire car and you could as i said get up to 40 pound a day if your car is clean and in good condition and that's one way to make money. 
I've not really had any issues with the car. You know, I always look for people that have reviews. Nobody has scratched, uh, scratched or crashed my car, which has been great. So I'm covered. And also, if they do have an accident, totally they're, they're concerned, as far as I'm concerned. But hire a car has insured the car, so they will replace your car if the people hiring do crash it. So it's a win-win for me. I get a new car and I still get paid, so I'm, I'm not even concerned at all. Um, speaking of cars, the next thing is to rent your parking lot or your parking space. Now, if you live in central London and you don't drive, chances are hopefully your, your, your flat or your house may have a parking spot attached to it. You can rent it out. You can literally rent out your driveway you can rent out your spot on the road if it's well not on the road you can't rent out parking spots on the actual road because the road is not yours but you can rent out spots on your driveway and you can rent out your garage for parking the is it works best if you live in central london obviously because people pay phenomenal prices here um i live in golders green now and parking spots here go from 200 pound a month upwards that's just like standard so if imagine if i lived in um westminster wow i'll be upwards of 400 pound just to park the cars because there's almost no parking and parking is ridiculously expensive it's 12 pound a day where i work 12 pound a day to park on the streets it's 170 pound an hour people well i say 12 pound a day because i, I get there to park it at 10 to leave at 6 30 <laughs> so it's actually more than that imagine if you have to park from nine and it's this parking thing is one pound 70 from 8 30 to 6 30 so it's a madness so parking spots in central london are a gold mine if you own a car and you own a parking spot and you still want to make money off this get council parking right so go apply to your your council for parking on the street you'll get a reduced rate to park on the street as a resident and then rent out the parking spot so you park on the street and then they park on your parking spot unless they're parking it long term which is upwards of two weeks you know so some people book it for two months at a time if they have to come in every day so they just know okay they're leaving the car there or they have to travel or whatever unless you're doing a long-term parking if you're parking every day it shouldn't be too much of a problem because they will drive off their car and you can move your car into the driveway at night problem solved right so you can rent it for the hour or you can rent it for the day so it's completely up to you how you want to do it but if you have a spot that's a complete gold mine you make tons of money just putting that online now where are you going to put that online you can put it on parklet parklet allows you to do longer lets so it allows you to do like the one month to three months hire for your, your parking spot so they will write up a contract for you and they will do all the interaction with with the people who are trying to hire the car uh, hire the car <laughs> give hire the parking spot um so that's parklet the next one is just park there, there are no fees for signing up for just park and listener space but they'll t take three percent of any booking you make now i like just park because quite a lot of people use just park to park like when i'm parking and if I'm driving, especially in Central, I always use Just Park. It's just easier to find a spot because they seem to have more options. So in terms of getting more bookings, you get more bookings with Just Park. And then Park on My Drive is also another good one. It's the cheapest. I think it's £15 for the year. 
um, regardless of how many bookings you have. And they, they literally do everything for you. Like, they don't charge you for anything until your first booking. So they won't even charge you for the £15 until you've actually booked someone. And then you know you haven't paid any money up front and lost any money up front until you actually have a booking. And your first booking should even it out. Because even if you book it for £40, you're broken even on your first booking. So you're good to go, right? This is literally easy money. You have to do nothing except put your address into this thing. Uh, well, people might say that's scary, but you're, they're not coming to your house. They're literally going to park on your street. And you don't even have to meet them or speak to them. You just have to take their license plate number off the website and make sure that it's the car that parks in front of your house. Done. That's it. Easy money can't get any easier than this for real so if you have a parking spot in central london that's a great idea even if you don't have a parking spot in central london if you have a house near a major station another gold mine people park close to the station and they want to pay cheaper cheaper rates than the actual um station parking give them a special rate let them park um at yours get on the train go to work come back and pick up their cars again done Especially around very popular train stations or underground train stations. Pure gold mine. Pure gold mine. Um, final thing also, if you live around a hospital. I know this seems really <laughs> weird. But hospital parking is so expensive. It's £2 an hour in most places. Which is crazy. Absolutely crazy. Absolutely mind-blowing. I do not know how they justify it. So people who live around hospitals, if you have parking spots, renting them out to people even if it's a pound uh, a day on any of these uh pound a day nah a pound an hour um on any of these sites is amazing you know so if you live by a station uh central london or a hospital you're good to go these are already businesses kind of just waiting for you and one spot can easily easily make you like 400 pound a month if you just just put it on you know just put it on it's easy money right next thing is clear out your closet i know everyone says this everyone has this somewhere in like their list of things to do for making money clear box for real clear out your clear out your closet like literally do a Marie Kondo type clean if it does not bring joy chuck that motherfucker for real you don't need that many clothes you don't need that many shoes so there are a couple of ways you can do this right you can sell your clothes, shoes, bags, whatever, on Facebook, eBay. Um, there's a new one called Depop, which a lot of influencers are using now. It's an app just for clothes. So Depop. Now, what I've noticed with these three is the things that actually sell are things like jackets, blazers, handbags, things that are not easily identified as quote-unquote second-hand because they're good quality and they can be transferred from person to person i wouldn't expect you to take your h&m singlet and try and flog it like for real throw that shit away it's not necessary like the items you should be looking to sell are high quality items that have lasting value things that can be passed on so bags jackets blazers um signature belts customs uh, custom unique scarves things like that are beautiful don't bother with the tops um some dresses yes have them on if your dress is really cool maybe like for a wedding yes definitely sell them if it's just like a sundress it's it's cheaper for most people to go to h&m so 
don't worry about it don't don't even bother like who's gonna be buying that that's just stress so put the the high class things you know that can be sold on facebook ebay depop i did this at the beginning of the year and i think i made back 300 pound that was cool because i didn't really I, I sold one dress to be fair it was a wedding dress but i sold one dress and a couple of a couple of jackets that i hadn't worn in maybe two years and i made quite 300 pound done like I, I i didn't really sweat it i put it on i answered a few messages on facebook they came and picked it up it was it was so easy it was easy peasy right now for the rest of the clothes if you have clothes that are not necessarily easy to sell so like i said if you have a h&m top that hasn't you haven't won you're not gonna sell that they will go to h&m and buy the original yeah so don't worry about it but what you can do is you can swap it so i used to run um fashion swap parties i still run them i not that i used to run them i still run them but these uh parties are where people will come with clothes that are new that they haven't worn and then they'll simply swap it for other people's clothes that are also new and haven't been worn now it's good for things that are not necessarily the highest value that you want to sell because then you don't feel like you're losing out because you're literally swapping like for like so the person's item might be more expensive your item might be more expensive but it doesn't really matter you're just swapping one item for another item um so it might be good to sell off the things that actually have value that you don't want to swap and then bring the rest to a swap party if i'm not going to have a swap party in the next couple of weeks or months um you feel free to check on eventbrite there are always swap parties around but i will be having a swap party in june i will send out the invite if you are interested in um coming to one of my swap parties it's, it's free to attend by the way but if you're interested in coming to one of my swap parties please um email me at the show at gmail.com and i'll put you on the mailing list for the location once we have that we've been working in conjunction with trade to reduce the amount of clothes we wear so swapping for me i absolutely love it if i don't wear it i can swap it or i can sell it then that way i don't add to the effect that we're having with our fast fashion but that's something else for a different day um but yeah so sell them swap them it's not really like a business business idea but if you already are sitting on money you might as well get rid of it and definitely try depop because a lot of people are tired of facebook and ebay but facebook is better than ebay but try depop because it's specifically for people who actually are looking for fashion bargains i'm still on the selling now what i just said now uh, before this was selling clothes which is different from selling items so selling clothes and selling items i class them as two different things because with the selling items you're selling things like furniture you're selling things around your house for anybody who's just had a wedding sell everything that you made bought used because people do buy them wedding bundles where you all your decoration and all your design paraphernalia are sold as a group are very popular on facebook if you have any candelabras um fake flowers those go really well to people who are actually decorators because they're always looking for items like this lamps and lightings tables microphones speakers electronics those are things that definitely sell very well on social media ebay all of the places where you can sell things bikes 
also a good seller selling everyday items not so great just give those away it's not really it's not worth the time i think in terms of how much you get but if you do have a lot of time in your hands and you have a lot of junk in your house sell so before you start thinking of any business make sure you've gone through everything you currently have make sure you have reviewed everything you have in your house then you can kind of start on a clean slate and know okay i'm not just hoarding and gathering money and gathering things you know i'm i'm definitely starting off with everything i have like from ground up yeah kind of thing which is great then i think i saved the next three big things so i've just told you four four ways right now to make extra money i know they sound unusual and they're not your usual run of the meal thing i'm not the usual run of the meal girl anyway so you wouldn't expect that from me but i can tell you from personal experience these things actually have made me money where i did not have money before and i did tell you guys i was aiming for a two thousand pound a month increase now the first couple of months i didn't meet my target but yeah i have so far met my target for this year and i'm uh, this month and i'm incredibly grateful and these are some of the ways i did it now the biggest hitter i think in terms of the biggest way to make money for me on this list where i didn't have to work or do anything particularly was airbnb now i have two particular groups of airbnb things which is my number what number am I on now? Five. My number five and my number six are related to Airbnb. So my number five, Airbnb, host your flat. Now, I, I live in proper, like, central London. I've always lived in zone two. I love zone two. Um, I'm a north girl, so I live in Kilburn, West Hampstead, Golders Green. I've always lived around that kind of area. I'm close enough to central by bus. I'm close enough to most... Um, attractions uh, it's um, so good it's flat most of my flats have been decorated to a high standard which is great so that's almost been intentional because for one i love living by myself so i'll pay extra to make sure i live by myself and i live comfortably um because for me I, I might as well be comfortable rather than saving you know hoarding my money for something else i want to be enjoyed myself when i get home and I, I hate traveling on public transport i get very claustrophobic in crowds and i don't like people touching me i can actually freak out and like go crazy if i have too many people touching me at once so rush hour in the morning is a madness i've always lived close enough to wherever i work so i don't have to travel too far so these two things have worked in my benefit in terms of airbnb because in london accommodation within zone one two three and sometimes four zone five if you live in canary wharf woolwich area for the excel center those are gold mines of places because you have the tourists you have the businessmen you have people who are just coming in for the weekend for the staycations who need accommodation and if your place is decent looking Bada bing, bada boom. Now, people are probably going to ask me, well, I live in the place. How do you make money on Airbnb when you actually live in the place? You'd be surprised at how much time you spend away from your flat. So, I've always had large studios or lofts. So, as an example, I live in a loft now. So, it's as big as a one-bedroom, right? It's a big one-bedroom decorated to a high standard, right? So, I can't really have somebody stay here with me so for me it's a bit tricky so i have to actually physically leave my house for my airbnb but in the case where you have um a spare bedroom 
or you have multiple spare bedrooms or even you have a, a whole separate flat i have a friend who has an actual whole one bedroom flat at the bottom of her house that she has on airbnb that she does long lets with with airbnb for like a month or two months if you have any extra space in your house at all put it on airbnb if you live in any of these areas I've mentioned, one, two, three zones or five, if you live in Woolwich or the Excel Center area, put it on Airbnb and the minimum you should be getting per per day is £70. Now with my flat, I get 120 a month, a night. The reason being, one, it's a studio flat. So it's a large space. It, they're going to be here by themselves, you know, and it is decorated to a high standard. And I also provide breakfast. Now when I say I provide breakfast, your sis gives them tea, biscuits, and I package some croissants in some plastics and I leave it behind. Everything costs me about £2. But on my Airbnb thing, I'm listed as providing breakfast. Now, it's a very continental breakfast i didn't specify what you're going to be having but i can direct you to the to the breakfast bar down the road and they can help you yeah okay to be fair i do leave some cereal and milk as well but like i don't have to fry up a breakfast as part of the service i say i offer breakfast for x amount of days and i provide enough packaged food for them to have within that amount of days now people are probably gonna ask me well, Valerie, you actually live in this place. You just said you live in this place. How do you Airbnb it? How do you have the time? Now, when I travel, so if I go on a weekend holiday or I go on a long holiday, I ensure that I have always booked an Airbnb for the day I'm leaving to the day I'm coming back. Now, the tricky thing is if you're going for a long holiday, you can only have one unless you have somebody who's going to help you come and clean while you're away. In between the two bookings you have but if you don't and you're self-managing you'll usually have to book one if you're actually away so try to make sure that they're within that period where you're actually gone so your house is never empty at the same time you're always making money so if i go off on a weekend holiday i will book my airbnb if i'm going clubbing and i know i'm gonna sleep over at my girlfriend's house I booked the Airbnb. If I'm going to visit my, my boyfriend then, my then boyfriend or going, I'm not going to be around for a couple of days, book the Airbnb. You know, you, if your house is empty, why should it just be sitting empty? And you can manage this on the app. It's actually incredibly easy to set up an Airbnb thing. The one thing I do have to say is when you have when you have a bad experience it does kind of scar you i've only had one bad airbnb experience and it wasn't even with my house i'll come to managing it for others as well actually no i might as well do it now because another area of making money with airbnb is once you start managing your space you can help other people manage their space so i've helped other people who have their flats on airbnb i put it on my account i've been their co-host and i've done all the booking and everything and then they give me a percentage of their earnings so they don't want to do anything they just have a space and they don't want to go around the business of faffing about with booking people in speaking to them answering questions they don't want to do any of that so they make me the co-host i do all the conversations i do all the check-ins i do all the bookings a lot of this can be automated if you have like a lockbox where you can keep the key for them so they can self-check in and self-check out for more information on this i'll probably write blog because there's so much information on this or maybe i'll just do like a step-by-step -step of how to set up airbnb i don't know let's see um but yeah 
So once they have a lockbox to self-check in, they can self-check out. So you can make money off other people's Airbnb as well. If you have people in your circle that want to Airbnb but just don't have the time, you can do that as well. So I was charging 10% of every booking. And every time I did a check-in, I would charge it because you don't really make that much. But the people who own the space, they don't really care because they're not doing anything. So for them, it's free money. Right, so that was Airbnb. One thing with Airbnb is, you know, the good thing with Airbnb, I mean, is you can earn up to £7,500 tax-free without needing to declare it on your tax return because there's a scheme with the government now where you can rent a room. So it's a rent-a-room scheme, which um, applies, I think, definitely in London, but I don't know if it applies outside London. But so far as the money is generated from you renting a room or renting part of your accommodation, you can make up to 7500 without having to even put in your tax return absolutely free, all tax-free. So it's free money. It's literally free money. With Airbnb, you have a 90-day limit for short-term lets. What this means is Airbnb will only allow you book 90 days in a one-year period. So from 1st of January to 1st of January, it will only allow you book 90 days. I think this is because of the... There's a new rule about how long you can let a home that you're actually living in, in London. If it was your second home, so if you have a whole empty house, this is different for you because then you, you have now a rental property. But if it's your actual house, Airbnb is limited to giving you 90 days only. A way you can work around this is to so say in October you decided, okay, you want to do Airbnb and you want to maximize your money for a holiday you're going for. What you can do is you can work 90 days from October, November, December, and then your 90 day count will pick up again January 1st. So you work January, February, March, and then the rest of the year that ends the year with the March, you don't, you don't do any more Airbnbs until, um, January again. So basically you're doing six month blocks of concentrated bookings and then you, you focus on other things. So this is good if you go away for like months at a time or you're away for Christmas in another country or you just want to travel or you have a period of time where you're taking care of somebody who's convalescing and your house is going to be empty. You might as well move in for six months and make money off your flat. I can tell you that there have been periods where I have been away from my flat. So when I gave up my Kilburn flat and moved in with my boyfriend then, I left when I still had about three weeks of my tenancy. So for the three weeks, I had an Airbnb guy there. I can tell you the Airbnb staying in my Kilburn flat paid for my rent that month. Like I made money after paying my rent. It was crazy. Like Airbnb is a ridiculous amount of money, but it's also a ridiculous amount of work because you have to get the towels, you have to keep the house clean, and your house has to actually be clean. You have to be a clean person. You can't just give them anything because bad reviews kill you. I think I have, or oh, I've never had an actual bad review, but I've had a three-star review where I, I forgot to leave the key and the poor guy had to wait. But I've never had a bad review, and that's because I always give good service because the better your service, the better your rating, and the higher they, they put you up on the airbnb you know i make sure you take professional pictures i didn't wait for the photographer because when i started airbnb they used to send out a free photographer then wow i've been on airbnb for a long time um yeah they used to give us a free photographer then but now they don't and you have to pay so i didn't want to to do that so i when i moved to a new place and i want to be doing airbnb i take pictures myself you do have to check your contract if you're renting if you're renting and it's not your house it's not your flat you have to check a contract to see if you can 
sublet. If you want to rent, speak to your landlord. If you no, if you're renting and you want to put it on Airbnb and it's not it's not allowed in your contract, speak to your landlord. More often than not, they will let you if they're on good terms with you and you give them like an assurance that you will be responsible ultimately for whatever happens because you will but they need that kind of like reassurance so they don't kick you out on the technicality but it's fine so that's airbnb i can tell you that the first year i did airbnb i made four thousand pounds four thousand british pounds in a year from airbnb and it was crazy it was crazy because every weekend on the friday i'll pack my bags after work and i was off to my boyfriend's and i wasn't back again until after church on sunday god forgive me so i had every weekend on airbnb it was it was mad so each weekend i was making easy three oh yeah and the weekends i don't charge 120 i charge 150 because of surge pricing so yeah i was making upwards of 300 400 a week just on airbnb but, um so that was that was sweet um another thing i started which is airbnb related which is the sixth thing this year is hosting airbnb activities so now they have airbnb activities where you can be an activities um, experience host on airbnb so they have a different section so just create an airbnb account and then um host an experience as a, a host so this could be an experience like pottery making or a tour guide if you do something that you think foreigners would like to learn or to experience for example i have a friend who He's a musician, you know, he's an amazing musician, Mide. Please check him out. He's great. You know, his songs are always super soulful. And he plays the guitar so amazingly well. It's something that people actually pay money to just learn how he does what he does. So for someone like him who's a creative, this would be a great idea. You have zero startup costs because literally all you have to do is use what you already do, which is the thing you like doing, and just like get people to sign up it's best if your experience or whatever you're offering is pretty unique so what i'm offering is like nigerian based tour guides across london because i like london i i like exploring things i like going to weird places so my experience basically is for people who are nigerian or african that don't necessarily want the standard tour guides going through the british castles that they don't really care about to some degree who want to see a different side to london i provide that because i'm nigerian and i can provide that unique service because i'm kind of like crazy and fun and it's not a crowded group it would definitely appeal to a very niche market and this is the sort of experience airbnb is looking for so if you have something where you're making something you're teaching something you're showing something even if it's like a game i've seen on airbnb where this lady she hosts scavenger hunts across cardiff i think where she hides little envelopes uh, postcards and if people find the postcards you know they can write to the person who left that postcard so it's like an ongoing game she doesn't write any of the postcards it's a whole business for her now the only thing with the airbnb experiences is it's not really tax-free so you may have to manage that whole tax process for anything where you're making extra money i do have to say if you have to pay tax please pay your tax don't think you're gonna cheat the tax man they know everything they you cannot hide trust me you cannot hide so with that you definitely have to um think about how you're going to manage that because essentially it's kind of like a business kind of as an experience but the airbnb kind of gives you the different options as to how you tax her or not get taxed so 
yeah so it's, it's a good way to do it i do have to say i was quite lucky with the first batch so i haven't done another one because it is kind of time intensive you have to actually go do these things and i've not been in the most sociable kind of mood but you can make quite a bit of money if you have the right item and the right experience and you know the right niche i guess is the best way to put it and my final thing on my list is modeling now <clears throat> don't be scared and don't be worried i know a lot of people might be listening to this and thinking well i don't know anything about modeling i'm not naomi campbell don't worry sis none of us know me campbell that is why we are not making millions right now you know but modeling comes in different forms modeling is not just uh the slim uh tall women who are walking down the catwalk there's so many types of modeling now and one thing i have tried recently is hand modeling which surprisingly is a big thing like you would be actually stunned and surprised as to how many hand models are actually needed in the world but needed to make adverts you know so every advert you see on tv so either um, motion pictures or you know still images hand models are quite a big thing in addition to hand modeling you can model almost every part of your body so you can be a, a foot model this is not a sex thing i know a lot of people are thinking snap is this like the guy who said on i don't know um gum tree that i should send him a picture of my feet uh with like ejaculation on it no this is not this is not that this is no that's that's just weird what but no so this is a legit modeling gig so if you want to model your hands or your feet if you have particularly pretty feet so this is men and women especially the men the shortage of men especially ethnic men with nice hands that are actually modeling is shocking there's like a high demand and very very low supply i think a lot of men find it very camp you know and they think it's weird i don't know or they may be embarrassed by their hands but please just do me a favor look down at your hands right now if your hands look nice long slender pretty skin looks fresh for want of a better word you might be a great candidate for hand modeling be a great candidate for leg modeling if you have really nice legs or great calves you know you can even model your lips if you don't like the rest of your face for some weird unknown reason and you think you have great angelina jolie type lips model your lips you know there's so many modeling agencies that cater to specific body parts and you be shocked a gig easy 200 pound it is a bit of work uh, i'm not gonna say it's 10 minutes work it's not because you have to hold the item that they're advertising you usually have to hold it multiple times you have to hold it in awkward positions because obviously they're trying to take the picture and as far as they're concerned you're just a prop you know it is long hours in the sense that you have to be there until the photographer thinks he's got the picture but essentially you are standing and either holding something putting your hands in a funny way you do have to be comfortable with moving your hands because you will move your hands quite a bit and you have to have some sort of variety in your hands or your legs but i think most people move their hands anyway so this should be straightforward one thing with hand modeling i was told you cannot have any fake artificial nails so i did have to start growing my nails out which was good for me because i think i missed my natural nails in a sense i haven't had my natural nails for a long time and i forgot about them like i literally always had stiletto extensions done but now my nails are growing into stilettos so that's great and my nails have kind of recovered from the years and years of shellacs and gel top-ups so that's been good for me so no extensions when you do your hand muddling obviously that goes without saying for the feet as well when you're like 
submitting your pictures for review so you will have to take pictures of your hands and your legs submit to the modeling agencies for them to check if you will be on their books now i'm not saying go in gumtree and start asking for these guys who are asking you for pictures of your feet to send you money no the best thing to do is go to these two modeling agencies which um i've i've signed up to myself um when i was trying this so hirehandmodels.com they're the ones who handle the Treatwell account. So if you've seen any Treatwell adverts, they're the ones who do the hand. You know Treatwell, the one where you can book the beauty treatments online? They do all the hands and the feet and the lips and all that. They're the ones who handle that account. So it's Hired Hand Models. Yeah, HiredHandModels.com. And also BodyLondon.com, which also all different parts from lips to arms to cows to shoulders. Like, they, they handle everything. So sign up. As a model, uh, again, it, you can you do it in your spare time. Your face doesn't have to be seen if you're particularly shy. You are literally like a moving prop. It could be a couple of hundred for a couple of hours work. I think that's alright actually. It's literally alright. And if you're in a niche, like you're a black man with lovely hands, you'll be in high demand, guaranteed. So those are my seven ways to make money for this week kind of gone on and on and on this week i've kind of been rambling a little but also i'm kind of losing my voice um because i have a cold and this week has just been it's been cray cray what's happened this week game of thrones came through again and it was just like blah, blah. after the battle of winterfell last week i thought how are we gonna top this and they just disappointed me man it was like they didn't even try so many things happened in the episode but it's like nothing happened in the episode it's weird you know and i get the misandry bit at the end where she's this is a spoiler but i get the misandry bit at the end where um she tried she cried dracarys but for what i thought she was gonna say i love you like there's so many things that could have happened that did not happen i was just like rah okay um the writers are getting bored I, obviously the season is almost done but i do feel like they're trying to rush a lot of things now that the battle of winterfell is done maybe they've run out of money i don't know there was some hoo-ha with their starbucks cup which i think is not a big hoo-ha at all i mean if you're looking for a cup you can't actually be watching the show so fuck you but yeah neither here nor there i i think the show was a bit blurred this week so i'm not even going to talk about it but the good news was shortly after that megan harry's boo you know our our princess uh, went into labor and she's had a boy now at the time i've recorded this i don't know the name of this child so i'm going to give some predictions as to what i think this child is going to be he's definitely not going to be harry he's definitely going to be james he's not going to be a henry either because all of them seem to be dicks so i feel she's going to pick an american name and just be done with it the guy's name is going to be j-rod or something okay maybe not j-rod i think that name is already taken what american name can you think of that probably sounds slightly british just so she can pay homage i don't know i i don't know liam i'm i'm thinking they tend to be cute but i don't know i actually don't know like do we want her to pick an american name or do we want her to pick a british name do we care what name she picks i mean it's her child we're not going to be the ones breastfeeding is she breastfeeding does she breastfeed that's a legit question does the princess 
need to breastfeed i guess they do do they have like wet nurses i'm rambling so i'm gonna stop now i'm done i've, I've been talking for way too long way way too long um yeah so that's it on this podcast and thank you again to everybody who has listened to me i want to shout out a few people that have been my day ones like heidi and nalo who are 100 listening tammy bye uh, for everybody who's listening and giving me feedback almost every week i love you love you love you thank you so much a uh, special shout out to one of my listeners hannah who got engaged on friday congratulations hannah i know when she told me i was so excited i pretty much broke her back and i'm so sorry for that um i was super excited that she got engaged she's such a lovely person um yeah so congratulations hannah and he's such a lucky man and that's it for the show this week um let me know in the comments if my ramblings on about the sponsors uh, if my comments about how to get promoted using a sponsor worked or if you've tried any of these money making um tricks for making extra money this month i will be back next week next week i'm going to be speaking to a group of entrepreneur women amazing amazing women who are meeting for a a collective which is basically an accountability session next week so i'm going to go and interview a few of them i've been very excited about this so i'll probably have that for you next week and i'll have my seven day startup series continuation as well towards the end of that episode so every week i'll, I'll definitely drop something on i will probably write a blog about this particular uh, podcast episode to go with the seven ways of making money and i'll leave the link in the description but thank you so much everybody for listening and i will see you next week bye bye i hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of the valerie carey show i would love it if you could share it across the network and i'll be back again next week with another great show i would love to hear from you so email me at the valerie carey show at gmail.com or follow me on instagram or twitter 